Okay, so um, I'm just, I'm actually literally while I'm talking now is I am scrolling through on WhatsApp here to get to um, where, yes, I wanted to get to where I got into the discussion about um, being on, on the online forum where Sam asked the question that she did, because since then, and I don't necessarily want to mention that forum now if we can avoid doing it because we're recording this and because I want to make some statements about it. So I'd prefer not to identify, you know, the ministry which is online too publicly now. Um, but let's just say this, it's an Orthodox ministry. So it's an Orthodox Jewish ministry that I actually love. So um, you've noticed with me on the group that I'm very, I'm very cautious about encouraging people to make use of those Orthodox ministries and that because it's a very complicated process and it's a very complicated situation to navigate through. And what I've always said, I don't want to set myself up or RBS up as, and I'm not saying that into the future, if I had to, for whatever reason, not be leading RBS and, and the rest of you wanted to take it in a different direction that you couldn't do this. But I don't personally, while I'm, able and willing and of sound mind, or at least that's what I'd like to think I am, although sometimes I'm not so sure. But while I am in that space, to turn RBS into a ministry that's kind of just giving commentary on what other ministries are saying. And it's not that there aren't things that other ministries are saying that aren't worth chatting about. And especially, you know, before we started recording, talking to Sherry about what does it take to start up a, you know, to a little fellowship group and to get things going in the name of RBS with the, with the support of RBS, the covering, I don't like that word covering with the, in partnership in covenant with RBS and knowing that this is your home spiritually and all of that. It's not all that difficult actually. I know it looks intimidating and obviously there's always going to be questions that can't be answered. And while I might not yet have generally been asked questions that I haven't been able to answer in the years that I've been doing this. I don't know everything. Um, I guess given the fact that I know how this ministry works and I understand um, new people coming in and the very predictable process they go through, I might look a lot more on top of it than what I should look like I am just based on the predictability of the process people go through. So my point is no one knows everything. Um, and it's important to realize that. And there's no sin in saying, you know what? Great question. I actually don't have the answers I'm sitting here right now, but if you'll give me time, I'll either go and research it or I will find someone who might know the answer, you know? So keeping all of that in mind is okay. You know, we can answer that way. We don't have to feel like we always have to have the absolute best answer because the reality is people might not even accept what you say, even when you say it. So I thought maybe what I can do, I'm now obviously calling this session says who, are you able to see the, the screenshot that I've got on? Yes. Okay. Yes. From me. Okay, so it says who. So where am I going with this? Very simple. It's been what's been happening the last few days. And something that I've been thinking for more than a week or so in any case was to talk about, and it's and it's worked out quite nicely, was basically talk about what is this, you know, what is the role of a rabbi? How does it work? 
what what should you expect from it and as i put on the whatsapp group in last week why should you listen to me and that's a fair question to ask so i thought i'd take you a little bit back in history to when things started developing for RBS into the space that it did. So RBS first started as, believe it or not, literally as a WhatsApp group. When I had WhatsApp and discovered that, oh, there's a new feature where you can have groups. And obviously there were people asking me questions. And I'll tell you this, years before, I'd felt so confidently, so strongly, that I would get into starting a ministry which, you know, is a broad term and it's a broad idea. And it was like, oh, that's, I feel that something, but I also don't really know what that something is going to be. Um, and then when a few people were asking questions about Israel, about Torah and about all of that, literally there were a few people asking at once. And I thought, you know what, trying to navigate through all these, um, answer all these questions individually, if WhatsApp has got this group functionality, why don't I give that a shot? And well, that was the birth of that. And I thought, you know what? We kind of need a name for this because people rally around a concept. They rally around a name. They understand and feel they can point to something if there's, if it's got a name. I thought, yeah, what would I call this? You know, we're studying Jewish concepts. We are learning about the most intricate or Com not complex isn't the word I want to use the the most secure reality within Judaism since the first century and the loss of the temple and I said that's like basically rabbinical Judaism which is the modern um, form of pharisaical Judaism from the first century so I thought I don't want to name the ministry after me because I'm not its focus focal point I don't want people to get the wrong impression that this is just some Christian ministry thing going on because I don't want people getting a fright coming to this and then suddenly realize, oh, my word, I don't want to be part of this. So I thought, how do you convey that this is like a Jewish ministry without being over the top and making promises? You know, because when people start saying, you know, New Day ministries and making all these so-called prophetic promises in their name, it's just obnoxious. So I thought, how can I give this ministry the most basic, uninspired, like an uninspiring, but just clear, practical, simple name that I can? And what thought popped into my head? Rabbi, Bible school. And the point was to kind of blend the idea of there's a Jewish flavor to this, but it's also like a place of study, which I think it's proved itself to be very credibly so over a decade now. Um, and so that's how the name Rabbi Bible School came to be. And I am very happy with that name. I think it's served us well. I think it's been a clear enough, you know, indicator of what it is we stand for and what we do. So um, I don't see the need for it to ever change, to be quite honest. Um, so that's, that's the background to that. Then comes the issue of why ha why have I started allowing people to refer to me as their rabbi? Because that for some people becomes a contentious issue. You know, I wrestled with this for a long time and I've spoken to other rabbis about this as well. And 
it's a complex issue because, but it's no different. And I've spoken about this for years in the Christian circles, because a lot of people have asked me, why don't we get our materials accredited? And the reason why I've never gotten it accredited through Christian, um, how would I say, through Christian means, through Christian existing ministries, is because not all Christian ministries agree on everything. Not all Christian ministries endorse each other's ordained pastors, bishops, and so on. So, you know, you look at all of that and you're like, so, okay, well then, so who do I get accredited to please? Because not everyone's going to take your accreditation seriously. And then I thought to myself, you know what? What I would hope, I would hope the credibility of the content of what we teach and of what people learn and of where we get invited to teach and where whoever's using our materials, I would hope the credibility would speak for itself when people see the value of the content, you know, the testimonies of the people who have joined and are joining. And can I tell you again, not that it matters much to me, but let's just talk in terms of Christian circles. Would you ladies believe me if I told you that we have had on Sabbath sessions, especially when I was in Kuwait, people that were doing doctorates and masters and degrees and seminary degrees from different Christian universities. Did you know that? Mm -mm. Yeah. So that's, and they've come and gone because that's fine because they are literally were ministers in training for other contexts. And the beauty of all of that is, is was, that was kind of part of my initial plan for RBS. You, that, you know that my initial plan for RBS was actually just to be like an information booth for people who want to do pass through. Like that's, so it is, it is far exceeded the expectation over a decade of what I thought it could be. But here's where things got interesting. People started saying to me, we want more. We don't want mm. to do this and go to another church. What, what does this look like if we turn this into our lifestyle? And that was like, oh, my word. Well, now you're asking me something completely different now. You know? It was easy to go online and do a teaching like this and just leave and not even really get to know the people who are coming online because you don't have to. You just, well, I'm going online. You want to join, you come online or listen to the recording. You know, that's, that's a very much simpler way to do this. And there's many ministries who do it exactly that way. And I started seeing people who started asking to be discipled. And I looked at these people and I thought, do you know what you're asking for? And truthfully, many who have asked that didn't know what they were asking for because they couldn't keep up the pace. Um, I still believe Janet got a taste of it, but I still, and it was good. I think the night at Janet's place for sure. Um, I literally let, set up like a Q and a session with Nande who is absolutely without, without a doubt, the most, uh, the, but the current surest disciple I'm teaching um, in every sense of the word. And Janet can tell you with the questions that they got to ask him. And I said, you can ask him anything and make like I'm not. Yeah. You know, ask him as you would ask someone who's in that experience. And I still think we can get more out of that. I think we can do that more into the future and really, really just get Nande to tell you what does it feel like? 
to be in that kind of, of space and compare it to what would be a normal church experience. Um, and I think... Can you, I say something? Yes, please do. So, uh, sorry, Darren. I wanted to say that talking about Monday, I'm even noticing on the various groups now, um, it's encouraging to see him coming out and actually speaking. Oh, yeah. The same thing. Isn't it wonderful? He is, because his confidence is building. He's, he's building... A knowledge base that's very secure and, and very sure. And that's what it should yeah. be happening. That's the point of the process of what should be taking place. And I think, Janet, if you got to speak more to Nanda in his personal private capacity, I think you'd be blown away to know how, how wise he is and how much he's developing. But let me tell you something about Nanda. He does not miss a second or an opportunity. He will ask me, Anything, anytime, whether I'm making a sandwich for us, whether we're watching something together, whether we're doing some odd mundane thing for my family and he's driving with, he'll ask me, I saw you did that. Why did you do this? I saw you said that mm. to Ali or this to Benjamin. And you know what? That is an authentic discipleship experience. That, that can still be happening today for people. Now, obviously, I can't give that service to everybody equally. And obviously, without question, I would never try and give that level of commitment and time and intimate engagement to a woman. So yeah. I can't offer that. But can I just tell you that I sat last night at our shul session and we have two women of such incredible substance that could be discipling other women. And let me tell you, it's Samantha and it's Amanda that's at our group. Not my wife, Amanda, but Amanda, the, the other, the Zimbabwean Amanda that we have with I her. absolutely agree. Yes, they're wonderful. Uh, and Janet, hearing your voice, you're the other one. Or the only difference is we just, <laughs> we just got to get the people out there to you. And I don't know if, Janet, if you remember, remember when you said to me, you can't imagine what possible use you could be to the ministry to help you know, because you can't really get out much. I said to you, we'll bring the people to you. And have we not done that? With other doubt, you have. And, and, uh, and that is wonderful. It's wonderful, yes. I appreciate it very much, Darren. So we've got this team. I, You know what? Can I tell you, ladies, what my dream is? Now, I'm saying this to you. Now, it's going to be online, and then everyone's going to know it. <laughs> My dream has always been this. I've said, Nandi asked me, how will I know if I've been successful with RVS? I said, I know I've been successful when I can walk into meetings that are happening for RBS, sit quietly in the back, not disturb it. The meeting goes on and quite possibly some people don't even know who I am sitting there in the back. That's when I will know I can leave. <laughs> well, if I can have a choice in... In, in terms of, I, I, I don't see myself ever moving on from RBS while I'm breathing in this mortal frame of mine. But what I mean is in a more general sense, if, if God had to say to me, hey, Darren, like, what do you want to achieve before you leave Earth, before I take you? It would be that. It would be to know that there's this legacy that... I've left behind and not because of me, because I don't think I'm amazing. I don't think I'm anything at all, but that I've left a legacy that I know that there's this ministry that I was involved in starting 
that is presenting the truest picture of our Messiah. Mm. Because I think that's what I was born to do. So mm. if I can leave a legacy, I don't want to leave a legacy where people say, oh man, do you remember, remember when Darren was still around and we could talk about Jesus so awesomely? Yeah, it's a pity he had to go. Eh? That would be a disastrous failure. If that's what happens. And I know it's, I know it's it's easy for that to happen because when you've got two components, the one component is you've got someone who teaches well. And and I know I I know I teach well. I'm aware of that. You know, and I love teaching, I love doing it. So that becomes something. But then you've got this other component that people get so used to my standard, my way of teaching, my methodologies, that it almost cripples them. And that would be a negative if you follow what I'm saying, because if this ministry builds around me, then I might as well have called it Darren Yonker Ministries. Mm. And I've deliberately not done that. So maybe the timing is perfect, Sherry, that yeah, we get to having a little chat before we start recording. And I'm like, wait a minute, you've got a coffee shop. People love talking mm-hmm. in a coffee shop. Why are we not mm. like, why are we not doing something with that? And we need to, you know, push that more. And that's, that's why I'm glad we got to say what we said. And again, I'm telling you, listening last night to Amanda and to Samantha, I could have gotten up and walked out Then that session could have carried on very successfully. And that is yeah. encouraging to me because that's what we need to see in growth. I mean, if I wasn't able to see other people step up into that kind of position, then the name for this ministry, Rabbi Bible School, is hypocritical because <laughs> then there isn't a discipleship program happening in various forms, and it can happen in various forms. Not everyone has to be walking around with me every day, almost wondering if they need to wear sandals and, and you know, dress like <laughs> That's not the only way that you get disciple. That's Church does this well. Let me give credit where it's due. Churches have very powerful discipleship programs. And Christians get the logic of learning from your teacher. They get that. So it shouldn't be a difficult transition for Christians who are saying, you know what? I want to I live a Jewish faith, which they kind of indirectly do in any case, even as Christians. Mm. So we need to push that. And that's kind of the theme of this says who issue, which I've now given a quite an introduction to now, um, in the sense of, what got me thinking was when um, Sam had asked that question on this Orthodox site, I, you know, she messaged me privately and I always need context. So I said to her, show me a link to where you posted this, to where, where this happened. And she did. And I got to read through and I said, okay, I said to her, you know what? I'm going to break my own rules because you're a friend because I love you (laughs) and because you've opened this up on this group, on this thing that you're doing. So I got onto it and I think on, on the RBS group now, I'm just looking at it again. Yeah. I did um, break down what had happened with, with that old share. And Mm. a few things that I want to say is this, the main rabbi that is the, Resident rabbi, because this the site that we went on to, that the Orthodox site is actually run by a Jewish woman, very influential, very good. I've got great respect for her. 
And part of the reason why I've got even more respect for her is that instead of presenting herself as a all-knowing, wide-ranging um, teacher on Torah and the able to, which she's got the platform to do, um, setting herself up in that space, being very strong woman, very confident woman, still has the presence of mind and the respect for her faith to say, in my culture, women don't teach as rabbis in the fullest extent. Okay, if you follow what I'm saying. She teaches on, on this website, teaching people about certain aspects of orthodoxy, which is fine because a woman can teach. If a woman's got knowledge, she mustn't sit there and like giggle and say, oh my word, I know something, but I can't tell you. <laughs> that's not what it is. It's, when we say in the rabbinical position, that's a very much different to a position of a woman sharing if God has given her the ability to understand certain concepts and to encourage and all of that. So this woman does this and she gives information. She answers basic questions on her, on the website, which is perfectly okay to do. There's nothing wrong with that, but she does have this rabbi that clearly is an expert. And, and I, it's very encouraging to see that she's done that. Um, I've, it, she's gained even more respect from me in, in the process of doing that. So of course he had commented and, Sam's question about do we have like, uh, how does she put it, heavenly supernatural bodies? Do we still need to eat? Because the point of the thread that was being made was there is a concept in Judaism that, you know, when Messiah comes, the pig will be kosher, which is obviously sounds very ironic. And um, the rabbi commented on that and it obviously opened discussion, which is good. And then obviously Sam questioned and, and he actually responded to and asked her, where did you come on? Where did you hear this? Now, his question is also a little bit open-ended because where did she hear what? That there's a resurrected body or that you will eat in a resurrected body or questioning what you need to eat. And I jumped in obviously immediately after seeing the whole thread and I thought, okay, well, I'm keen to talk. I'm keen to weigh in. I'm keen to see what I, what can happen here. And I said to her, well, she heard it from me, a Jewish rabbi. Now, that obviously would have intrigued the other rabbi. I get that. And he didn't, res I wrote quite a lengthy um, piece there, which you probably could be having read on, on um, the RBS group. And in a nutshell, what did I say? Basically just said from the time of Abraham, eating has been a very powerful sign of community of covenant of all these things. It's been heavily integrated into the Moedim, the appointed times it's heavily integrated into the story of Christianity's gospel, even um, in Christianity. What do you learn? Passover, you are eating. Um, Christians look for great opportunities, even though I wouldn't call Christmas a biblical day of any kind, but some Christians are doing it to commemorate Jesus birth in their own way. But my point is, why do Christians do on Christmas day other than opening presents, other than going to church service, what's the other huge event they take part in on Christmas day? Eat. What is it? They eat. Gather to eat. There we go. Because covenant happens around the table. It does just work that way. So that's another concept that Christianity has taken from Judaism. It's one of the things that they've gotten right. But of course it would just be nice for them to acknowledge where they got it from and in acknowledging it, actually just come back home to where that started. But anyway, 
So the point is the eating issue is a big deal. And as I said, in the Moedim, it's a big deal. And I mentioned also about the fact that it's David that says, you know, he's going to eat in the presence of his enemies. So you've got that picture. And David never really got to do that in the sense of like how it dramatically presents that idea. And then I said, of course, on purpose to make sure that the hint was enough there that I'm a Messianic Jew. I did say that I believe our Messiah did eat in his resurrected body because I believe that. And you can bet that the rabbi who was reading that picked up on that hint, um, which I don't mind because I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not hiding it, but I'm also not going to try and use an Orthodox site to try and present a, a gospel that will only look Christian to Jews who are hearing it. So that's a whole issue on its own. But then him and I did talk privately and he did say, you know, he's not going to agree with everything I said. And I said, well, I would be shocked if you did agree with everything I said. So let's talk about what you don't like. Um, and, he, you know, so we've gotten into an engagement that we'll see how far that goes. And I made, look, here's what I said straight, because I didn't want to waste time. I said, look, I know that you don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. So let's not waste our time on that. Tell me of what you think of the other stuff that I shared. And believe it or not, he says, well, you did expound on the purpose of the resurrection and how it works. You guys get what that means. Authentication, verification. Yeah. And yeah. Orth an Orthodox rabbi agrees with what I said. Mm. And and that's because I presented it not in Christian terms. I presented it in yes. Jewish terms. And he recognized it. And he saw it. And he gets it. And he agrees um, on that. Um, but my point is looking at that now too. Because I went to go and read up on some of this rabbi's other writings. And again, let me tell you, I said it to him. I said, listen, I agree with you on a lot of what I've seen you write. I'm actually quite loving what I'm reading that you've written. And I said, I know you've written books where do I find some of these books of yours? So he said, okay, go check this one out. So I'm going to go buy his book and talk further. And you know what was encouraging about it for me? is to say, man, him and I are actually so close. We are so in the same line. It, it's actually quite encouraging to see how much we think the same and would teach the same. Um, only the one thing is when I read one of his, one of his articles, he mentions certain streams of Judaism and I'm going to say purposely doesn't mention Messianic Judaism, but that's predictable um, because you see to Orthodox communities, when a Jew acknowledges Jesus as Messiah, and please note, it's not only acknowledging Jesus as Messiah, that is way too reductionist in terms of what actually happens. They are understanding the whole history of Christianity. They're understanding a lot of the Christian doctrine, terminologies and all of that. And they are quite right that when presented in that way, Christianity is a completely different religion. I agree with them. Um, of course, getting an opportunity to talk to them from a Messianic Jewish point of view is not always that easy. And even with this rabbi, I can tell that he's very cautious about getting too open to discussions with me because he doesn't want to talk about what he perceives to be Christianity even though I probably shocked him with how accurately I presented the story of the resurrection. Now, in all fairness, I did literate, sorry, not literate, that's a negative word to use. I did sprinkle it with um, messianic 
undertones relating to Jesus and Paul, which again, I make no apology for because that's my position. So what I want to say to you next is the question becomes again, which is what came up on that I put on the group. Why should you listen to me? Should you listen to me? I mean, but I mean, that same question can be asked of why should you listen to any pastor? Um, and there's a few reasons why. Maybe that's worth asking. What do you ladies think? What are the reasons you would say, yeah, is the reason why I choose a spiritual leader or why I would listen to someone, why I would invest my life and let myself be vulnerable in this community or whatever. What, what just, let's even just try and get a handful of reasons. And I mean, I don't have a checklist. I'm just kind of asking you. So one of the main reasons um, when talking, and of course I've been on this earth for quite a long while, know quite a lot about Christian churches, having been a member of several, but anyway, the point of the matter is when you attend a church and you sit down in that service, your pastor will come to the podium or whatever you call it, and he will address you, he will uh, present a teaching. It is his uh, idea. It is his man-made idea, even although it's biblical. But, and I've had people say this, that you can sit and listen to this, but you cannot question him at the time. Sure. And of course, at the end of the service, nobody is going to go and question him if you have something you'd like to ask him. This is the difference with what you give. Because not only do you make perfect sense, but a person can stop you at any one time and ask you this question and you'll come back. That's what Kathy loves so much. You'll come back with a biblical-based answer. Um, and that is what I'm saying is, being a Berean, I mean, you cannot really be faulted. There are times, there are times when even I sort of am a little bit shocked at, at the, the fact that you love the orthodox side of it. Yes. Uh, but, but even that I can't question, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I'll follow you, for sure. Okay. That's my reasoning. For me, if I can check in, um, uh, a, a while ago, I think our first discussions were in terms of the many pools I went to to have a, a drink of water from yes. and um, how it was taught to me. And at one point it was, you take it because it's tradition and we're passing it on, there's impartation. And so... You take it without question, as, as, as Janet has said. Um, and then getting to a new place where there's new revelation, is the word, and insights or perspectives around um, the different interpre interpretation of the Bible and then being allowed a space or a forum or a platform in order to be able to question and dissect. So where for me, the home cell concept was introduced, you know, yes. um, so from the service on the Sunday to be able to then go into a group of not people that perhaps know more than you, but to be able to say, look, I didn't quite get that. What did you get, you know, or let's yes, read this right. together. And again, getting the man-made um, understanding of, our interpretation of the Bible. I did a small stint in Bible school um, at one point. Um, 
yeah, um, homiletics and uh, neurotics sure. and all of those kind of things. Um, and also then got the understanding that, again, it's interpretation, you know, that it's like um, sort of an explanation, you know, from other people's understandings as yes. well and just bringing it and summarizing or concluding that that's then what it means. So for me, that didn't hit the mark. But I think in our first conversations, um, explaining your heritage and, you know, so when we are talking, we are talking about the original intent. We are talking about, um, you know, before you get to read or interpret, you need to understand the context. And I think for me, that was early days where um, myself and Sam were chatting about the Bible and we were like in, you know, when it says women aren't supposed to adorn themselves or, um, you know, braid their hair or, you know, those kind of things. We got stuck on those things because we were, we were talking about context, you know, sure. um, uh, what was happening then. So for me, why I listen is because there's, I can skip all the perspectives. I can skip all the, man-made ideas and I can go right back to how it was intended, the original, um, and then get to understand what am I called to do? What is my role? How do I fit into this picture? Because how I used to interpret things were whatever scripture I take is meant for me. I'm blessed. I, you know, um, um, I can, I can interpret any kind of situation by finding a text that um you know speaks to my situation whereas it might have meant something completely different in the original intent and context so that's why i listen all right and that makes and that makes good sense debbie i don't know i'm not sure if your mic's working or if you have anything to say Okay. Um, yeah, those those ideas, those points are good and relevant. And there's even more that could be said. I think um, if I think of some that the Yeah. You there? Who's there? Oh, do we have some other people with us? Who's on? Oh, thank you. Are we Make sure you put this ring okay? Yeah, yeah, once you have we got the, yeah. the can you hear us there in the you guys from in the hospital there now with Kathy? Um, um, there's just me at the moment, they've just left. Oh, uh, okay. Um, I mean, Gary and Kerry have left. Okay. Stephen and Sham should be at home. Okay. Well, how are you doing, Kathy? Since we got you on, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Uh, I'm doing really well, actually. I feel good. The the hardest thing has been, and the prayer occasionally would be lovely, is they cannot find veins to put um. the needles in. So. Okay. You know, I'm a pinprick all over the place, and it's taken them over an hour and a half to try and find one. Oh. And um, 
and the whole time they were here and Tom was here as well. And um, they were, you know, squirming as well because, yeah, but anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, um, and I'm feeling really good, generally speaking. Okay. And um, I mean, there are, I've had fantastic care. I've, all the checks, you know, that can be done, it's like a warrant of fitness has been done. <laughs> and everything's come up great, oh, except for one thing which needs a little widening, like they'll put a little balloon in and then widen it a bit. Okay. And that's all that's required. Okay. And um, fantastic care, we were saying. You know, we, we you know, you could be envious because it's all free for us. Well, thank God, that's it's a blessing. Just, yeah, it's a real blessing. And um, I'm in a private room with my own ensuite and even a TV if I want it and that sort of thing. Oh, that's so lovely. it's lovely. And all your meals, you, you can choose your menu that's as well. Um, yeah, so as I say, they've all been in, which has been a great blessing for me. And um, there'll be nothing done till next Wednesday. They'll make a decision then what they're going to do. Okay. So I'll just keep you informed, Darren. You know, yes, I'll just send yes. you a text or something. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Did you thank you, everyone, for... Did you hear no? the question, Kathy, of what we what I just no. asked? Okay, so I asked the no. question, what is it that has drawn different people to come and listen to, or to come be part of RBS, and why they choose to come and get, you know, leadership and teaching and guidance and whatever you want to call it from me? So what would you, oh, right. in a nutshell, answer? Why are you around, basically? Okay, my nutshell is starting, but it's quite a big nutshell. Um, first of all, um, I was, we were all meeting online a few years ago, about three years ago, I think. And um, it was so exciting. First time I'd heard of, the, of Jesus in context. And also, I loved the way you connected the Old and New Testament to be as one. And then everything, it was just so exciting to hear it all. And um, and I look forward to it every week. Um, because for years I'd asked various preachers and Bible study places, what's the Old Testament for apart from the prophecies, you know? Yes. And, um, and uh, I never got anything that was reasonable to answer. So as I say, I was round at your mum and dad's and we were online and you'd started doing the course and it was so exciting and we just couldn't wait for it and uh, listening to that. And um, it's grown from there. And in fact, I've got something to tell you. I've got two more people who are going to join. I'm going to, well, I've encouraged them and I let, let them read one of your last posts that you gave, sent out. Okay. And, um, they were interested, and I said, but they've just gone to Samoa on mission, doing some missionary thing, and um, they'll be back in about a fortnight. Oh, so well. I'm going to encourage them to join. I'll go to theirs, and then we'll join together, and I think it'll be better if I start off with them. That you know, be and um, yes. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we'll have two more people. Oh, that will be nice. And um, I just want to thank you. I feel privileged to be a part of of this and what is amazing to me is you know why has God chosen us few to hear and learn there's no doubt in my mind or faith 
that you are anointed by God to do this. And um, I'm absolutely sure of that. And in fact, today, two other people came who I hadn't seen for years, and I've been talking to them about it. And so I'm hoping to continue discussions there and get them to hopefully join at some point as well. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. So but that's where we are. I look at you and I and I and one of the reasons why you are such a good how can I say marketing opportunity if you don't mind me calling you that for RB <laughs> you are not afraid yeah. to say when you don't understand something or when something sounds off to you. Am I right? Yes, you're right. Yeah. 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 And that's so, and that's a good thing because you are never silenced. You are always allowed to be speaking. And we mentioned something earlier before you came online that you don't really get to do that in a church. I think Janet mentioned that. You don't really get to That's true. stop the pastor. And look, I'm not even saying that pastors aren't letting you stop them because they are trying to lie to everyone and they, they don't want to be caught out. I think just the nature of the system in church doesn't allow it. There's that. Although, to be honest, I do think there are contexts where there might be some pastors who do think they are above being questioned. So, But I don't believe absolutely yes. the pastor is that way inclined. So I think that's what's always shocked me is that that does tend to be one of the main reasons that people are so often blown away. Because I've been told so yes. many times, you let us ask you questions. You let us challenge and, you. And another thing, yeah, that was what I was going to say. You encourage us to challenge you, in fact. Yes. Yes. Because I wouldn't... I mean, like, you always win, but... <laughs> I, I would never... You Look, uh, Kathy, you, you realise anyone can still disagree with something I say and walk away now. You really can, because I don't, I don't control anyone. Yeah. But you know why I'm so... That's open? right. Because let me tell you, let me tell you, Kathy, if the roles were reversed, I would be talking your ears off till they bleed with questions. So it's only fair yeah. that I allow whatever I would be doing to people for them to do it to me. So, and I don't see why yeah. it's a negative. I think it's a positive and I think it shows transparency and it's the space where strong relationships can grow. It's a space where confidence can grow that you are not afraid to tell your friends and family, this is where I fellowship. This is where I do my religious. Yeah. And, and I'm confident in telling you about this, which is part of where I was telling the story and I got, didn't get sidetracked. I asked the question, which I think I can now get back onto where I was going is to say that yeah. so many people are coming up to me and asking me, we want something more. We don't just want yeah. this to be an information booth and whatever. And that was a big moment. And that has opened this door up. And then people would start asking me, so what do we call RBS? And I tell you, the way that people were asking me was very sheepish. Like, what are we? Are we a church? What are we? And I thought, you know, we can't use the term church mainly because it's a Christian concept and we are not a Christian ministry, okay? which sounds <laughs> shocking to people like what? Um, that's right. That's I what just I said you, on, yeah, you know, we are this, online ministry. Yeah, yeah, and this, but this is a Jewish ministry, so that's right. I just, said it's Messianic Judaism, that's it. and it's an online fellowship, yeah, a ministry rather, yeah. Right. And let's call it what it is, and let people see they don't have to be scared of that. So logically, that's why we use terms like shul, 
or uh, yeah, yeah. a Sabbath session obviously is just a little label that we use that that's worked well for us because we do this on a, well, okay, you aren't, Kathy, you aren't receiving this on a Sabbath because I, I would imagine it's um, past 6 p.m. Mm. where you are, but okay, we, this is a Sabbath session that that's happening as I'm teaching it in my time zone. So, you know, we've got that. Yeah. And then the question, you know, of people's, I've had a few people say to me, you know, or not even ask me, some people have just said to me, Janet being one of them, you are my rabbi, point blank. And you know the reality? Yeah. Yes, I am. I am exactly that. Um, then yeah. people say, well, you know, aren't, have you studied for this? Well, yes, I have. I've been studying over a decade and I will gladly go toe-to-toe with any other rabbi if they want to quiz me to see if I know what they know. Um, I think yeah, I'd yeah. pass that test very easily. Um but at the same time, you know, Kathy mentioned just now Jesus in context that she got so excited about. Just for those who might listen online, Jesus in context is a book I've written. Um, and I do think that's one of the first ways Kathy and I did engage because Kathy is, uh, is able to do edit, editing. And uh, I think, Kathy, you got involved with that too. That you, that's yes. how you probably yeah. did the book the first time was to edit it. And then from there, obviously, we got into talking. Um, you know, so we've yeah. got all of that going on. And I, Kathy can tell you, and Janet can tell you, whoever else has read the book can tell you, if you look on the cover of that book, it doesn't say Rabbi Darren. It says Darren. I've done funerals and weddings, and the funeral parlors ask, so what's your title? And my answer to them, yeah. it's Darren, to which the one laughed, thinking I was joking. And I said, no, I'm not joking. You can just call me Darren. I don't want anyone, for me, the term rabbi is a very personalized term. If I am that to you, and if it it warms your heart, and if it's a sign of respect and endearment and love and whatever that you refer to me as that, then I receive that, you know, from, but to me, it only really has value from people who respect me in that capacity, if that makes sense. So if, if it's someone that I don't have that kind of connection to, then I'm Darren and I'm still just Darren. I don't expect Janet or anyone to greet me with the term rabbi, although some of them do, and that's fine. I don't expect it if that makes sense. But if someone asks me and and sometimes when I'm talking to people, especially in Christian communities, who are you? What do you do? Then I, I say, well, I'm a rabbi. Because I am, I'm doing the function of it, and ironically, um, by, by profession, I am a rabbi because I am a teacher. That's literally what I am professionally trained in the capacity of. So, but having said that, as I say, part of the reason why I do not put the title rabbi in front of my name is because I do very much respect the the uh, official. Orthodox, ironically, um, communities that have a very long study period for rabbinical ordination and all of that. And it's out of respect for those groups that I don't put the title in front of my name, even though I know I'm doing the function of it and I do accept the title of it from those who, as I say, within RBS, choose to refer to me in, in that way. Do I think it's wrong to tell other people, oh, I study under a rabbi. No, it's not, because that's not a lie. You do study under a rabbi. So 
there's nothing wrong with that. So I think that's important that I wanted to share in terms of this says who, which is the teaching uh, theme here. Uh, and the point of what I wanted to get to actually, and ironically, I feel like I'm still in the introduction, but don't worry, we won't be going on for hours. I'll bring us to a close reasonably soon now. My point for today was to say, why don't we look into this idea of what is this functionality of rabbis? What does this system work? How does this whole issue come into its place? And in simple terms, I can say to you that, or the question becomes this, can a person, okay, let me ask you this, and it's going to feel like a trick question, but really it's not. Just answer as honestly as you want to, if you want to answer it. Do you think a person but you must give me a reason attached to it. And I'll give you a reason attached to my answer too. Do you think a person can have more than one rabbi? Don't let it be a trick question because it is an open-ended question. And let's say that all our opinions carry equal weight. Mine is not going to carry any more weight than anyone else's, even, even if you disagree with me. So we are all equals in this question. So you don't need to be afraid of how you're supposed to answer this. Just in your mind, with what you understand about the system of a rabbi, can a person have more than one rabbi? But why do you say yes or no? I think um, that you can respect more than one rabbi. Okay. I personally yeah. would only want one. Sure. In the limited knowledge that I have of that so far. Yes. Um, I mean, I have been to another, I've been to that, um, that fellowship, Beth That's something or other. Yes. Yeah. I've been to that, and I can respect that he maybe may, is the rabbi, but I'm not drawn to be a part of that fellowship. Right. And so it's like a title for him. But yes. for you, it's more personal and all-inclusive, you know, for you, okay. you being my rabbi. It's, That's it. I respect That's you. I can honour you. I can ask you anything but I also love you and that sort of thing. You know, right. we have a connection in other ways. Right. So that's how it is for me. And that's a perfect okay. answer. From my point of view, Darren, the thing is that uh, there can be many rabbis. There are many rabbis. Um, you know, in the sort of plural, there's ever only another one that I sometimes listen to, and that's Rabbi Damien. Right. But there is no way. There is no way, as I would call him, my rabbi. Sure. Um, as I said, first and foremost, you are the rabbi, and exactly what uh, uh, Kathy said. I think the greatest thing for me with you is that there is that personal um, relationship that a person has yes. with your rabbi. Um, not only that, but uh, yes, you would eventually bury me. If I had children, you would marry my children. I wouldn't go right. running to any other rabbi. Sure. But um, what I love most of all, Darren, is that when, whenever there's a question to be asked, or a, you come back with, it's not even what you say, it's what the Bible says, because you've always got a biblical answer. Right. And uh, to me, I, I, can't, um, I can't think of anybody else being a, my rabbi. So the question was, can you have more than one? My answer is no. Okay. I love these answers because they're personal and that's what I was, you know, that's, that's the perspective that carries the most weight because it's your perspective and it's not wrong. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. Fury, I don't know if you've got an opinion and your opinion doesn't have to be about me because you, 
look, you've been on the group for a long time, but we're only really now starting to get a connection and we'll only really yeah. get a strong connection when I get to come to Utnag, meet your husband, see how you do life there. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't expect you well, to have a deep personal answer. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I, I, my answer was going to be from my limited understanding. You know, I only know you. Um, and I have referred to my rabbi in conversation um, because I, I, I believe it's sort of like a discipleship and, I, and, and you cannot be attached um, or, or, or have that attachment with a whole lot of people um, leading you on this journey. Yeah. I think you, you, you will be very confused then if you were to, um, you know, attach yourself, like um, the ladies have said, personally to many different people. So my answer would be, no, you can only have one um, for that reason. Sounds good to me. I don't know if who else is online. I don't know if I saw my father was online. I doubt Gary is traveling. Dad, are you there? Do you want to comment if you are? I'm not sure. But I see six of us online, Darren. So who would that be? Yeah, I'm I'm sure I caught a glimpse of my father's profile being on. Someone tried to say something just now. Let me just see if I try and pick this up on the... Anyway... Uh, we'll see if my dad does get, if the audio is working for him or if he's able to talk. Those answers are pretty standard, logical, sensible answers to be giving. And, you know, I would agree with them. Yeah, right. Oh, there we go. There we go. Okay. Yes, dad. Ah, sorry. Somebody wanted to say something just before I came on. So you want to let them speak first? No, I, th- I think Sherry just said that you that she did hear you earlier, maybe, or someone. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Now I, th- I was grappling with the whole idea of one rabbi thing without also just honestly just my gut feeling, and I must say I sort of come to the idea of the same thing. Case in point would be um, almost like Kathy said, you know, going to Beth Malik. Respecting, um, for instance, um, Yaakov, you know, in his capacity. But um, I think, for instance, Jacob Prash, who we met and we had, you know, connections with, and we've bumped into different people, you know, in the Messianic ministry and so on. And although they're all have different teaching styles and that, I could see a problem arising. So, for instance, as you well know, with Yaakov's view on Christmas celebrations and uh, your stance on that, how would I, as a disciple under two rabbis, condone or accept two different halacha reading, uh, you know, interpretations? How would I take from that? So although we know that each rabbi is open to give what he feels in his heart is right, and as you said, that that he has got the right to bind and to loose um, in terms of teaching, not in the way that the church does it or the prosperity cult do it. Um, I believe that that's important. 
And so that is why it's so difficult to sit between two camps. Sure. But in saying with Janet, I have to agree with Janet that I find um, the teaching style of yourself and Damien, you're almost two peas in the same pod, you know? Yeah. Your are. teaching style yeah. and what you share is you're not at odds with one another. Right. And so that's important. And then the other thing was, why would we join or stay with RBS? And, uh, yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, the whole experience of being a Christian is how you appropriate scripture and abortion scriptures to your own experience, depending on your situation. And it's like taking poetic license with with scripture. Context doesn't really come into it. And as you say, pastors will present um, their version, their denominational version of events. Um, and generally, you get a faulted view of scripture. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just one of those people, I don't know, you know how your mother is, if, if you walk into a room and a picture is hanging skew on the wall, you know? You know, it drives your mother crazy, stuff like that. And <laughs> I think there's a lot of people like that that can't handle something that's not, you know, in, in its proper place or if it's meant to be there. And so it comes to scripture and, uh, and scripture in context. And I mean, you know, our history of where we've been in the churches and all the different uh, instances. And I think Sherry Ann might have. Yes, is it Sherry Ann, I think, yes. and uh, Jan Janet's, Janet's mentioned it as well, all the different interpretations, um, you know, about different churches and pastors, and I don't want to knock churches or all that, that's not the issue, it's not what we're here for, but the reality is that um, whenever you, if you're in the building game, and I've said it before, and I like to think of our swimming pool back in Royal and Park that oh, we yes. had, and I said it before, if the surveyors, when they came out to dig the hole, it was all fine while they were digging the hole. And, but the big issue was it was the coping and the, the top surface that had to be leveled. They used dumpy levels and stuff like that. And unless you do that, forever the pool would be an eyesore because if you filled up the water and there was more water at one end than the other. It yeah. would catch, it would be the first thing that any of your friends coming over for a swim would see, would see that the pool is not level. And there's no way you could fix that. And for me, RBS ministry is like the defining spirit level, if I can put it that yes. way, um, that brings uh, a test popular belief or popular church interpretation um, and compares it to, you know, the spirit level of God's word of context. And that, I must say, uh, has been important to me. Because, you see, for me, in the absence of context and truth, you're going to have um, emotions oh, yes. um, regulating what you believe. And that can be very dangerous, as we know. 
you know i mean there's you could write books on it and so the commonality of tying the faith to a jewish messiah ultimately giving respect to where we get the gospel from in the first place all of that is rock solid foundation and uh, i'll never forget derek prince had a book series called the foundations was it foundations of our faith or i can't remember nobody I, I, and uh, he stressed the principle of of being true to the original uh, god's design so to speak and i don't remember if that was all scripturally um, in context but i i like the principle behind it you know that everything has to be tied down to a blueprint or uh, and it has to be absolutely truthful and it must be the genuine article and yeah well, i just want to say that the ministry i receive and the teaching um is always rock solid and you can always point us back to to scripture and no matter what the person's experience has been um you come back and you give us rock solid scriptural basis and, and in context for those answers and uh, it knocks any uh, illusions or <laughs> teachings out of the ballpark so to speak of people who come in with oh well the word is dead and it's all about a spiritual experience it's about a new impartation yes. of god's it's all about feelings and it's about emotionalism you know and uh, it's like you say if it's not in scripture then you got to chuck it out and then it's in doubt you know and uh, yeah for me that's the absolute Uh, bottom line of RBS ministry is it pays respect to the word and the context of church which is so often overlooked in this day and age right no and you know i think let me tie in again and say this so i i've always been of the opinion that you safe if you've got one personal rabbi versus having other rabbis you'll listen to and you'll hear and you'll be encouraged by. But I think the point is that you come back to one rabbi for Allah, that you come to one for that because otherwise it can get confusing. Now, don't get me wrong. Your life is yours and you can do with it what you want because you'll answer for what you've done. So you'll notice I never guilt trip or intimidate anyone. You come to me, you ask me, Let me give you some of the things that I've been asked over the years and some of them might seem funny to you. I've been asked questions about sexual activity in marriage. What what is allowed? Not a bad question. Uh I've been asked can I should people be smoking weed? Is it okay to smoke weed? I've been asked about demon possession in believers. I've been asked some very th- some things that you'd think are very odd and strange and sometimes it's just an opinion they're asking for and sometimes people are asking for literal rulings like what should we do in this case I was asked last night can gentile believers should gentile believers be allowed to um take 
days off in terms of the, the holidays coming up? Should um, can uh, you know? So can you can a a, a Christian? No, Christian, they're not these the people that were asking on Christian. People were asking me, can we um, take days off of school? Should we be taking days off of school? In in that sense, so. You know, and I looked at this and I'm like, and I stand, and I think you guys need to know this, that when I, that when I, when I weigh in on these things, I'm very careful before I answer. I don't just haphazardly answer if that makes sense. So when I looked at it last night and there's always a process for me in doing that. Um, what I said was, okay, well, let's look at what we're trying to do here. Should you, what holy days should you take off? And we looked at it and we spoke about that Christians take off certain holy days. I know someone that takes off Ascension Day. And she can. She's a Christian. That's a very holy day to her. And I said, so you know what? Let's look at it. Because the question was asked, can we take off? Can Christians take off Yom Kippur? Should Christians be taking that off? And, you know, we looked at it and we spoke about it last night because that's what you should be doing and that's what you should be doing with your rabbi. That's what you could be doing with the pastor too if they're doing their job right and some of them are, so I'm not saying that all of them aren't doing that. And uh, I said, okay, so let's look at this. So you are actually drawing close to Israel. And I first made this clear. I said Yom Kippur is actually about the national atonement of Israel. So you can't be doing it in the sense of like you are from the nation of Israel needing atonement because... You are not directly Israel, although you're coming close to Israel and that's got its own context, but you are also under a Messiah who's offering a different kind of redemption for you as a believer who's drawing near to this Jewish faith. So that's a different context. But I said, you know what, let's look at this. You are actually siding with Israel. You are actually like the Erev Rav that left Egypt with Israel. And you are throwing in your lot with this nation of Israel. And I said, you know what? Yes, you can. You can actually take the day off. I'm going to, because I, as a Jew, I need to do that. And I said, you know what? You can too. And you know, the people had asked that you could see the look of relief on their face. Because is it the right answer or the wrong answer? It's an answer and it's got a logical progress to it. So you know what I'm even willing to do for people like that? that say they would want to take the day off um, with our mind writing an official letter with a letter, and I've done this before, stating as their rabbi that I am endorsing them, celebrating or keeping the day holy in that way. I would do that. Do I expect everyone has to do that? No. Do I expect everyone has to accept that ruling? No. Um, so I'm not expecting any of that or saying that, but that gives you an example of, what that looks like in progress, in process, sorry. Um, so there it is, I've given halacha, I've given it. And you can choose to take it or not to take it. Do I say that if you don't take it, you cursed? No, not unless I'm telling you something that's scripturally absolutely certain and I'm warning you that you're in a dangerous space and you ignore that. That's a different issue, if, if that makes sense. Sorry, if any of you are trying to talk, I do mute everyone at certain times if there's feedback coming from your 
from your microphone say if you are talking and no one's responding it's not because we don't love you so just check unmute and maybe just when you if you don't mind finish talking just try and mute again just so that it doesn't because we are recording so that's uh in the context of what happened there with the story last night and that just shows you the value of having a rabbi i guess does it mean you cannot go to rabbi damien and get the advice from him and accept his advice that overrides mine if that's what you choose to do you can do that would i be offended if you ignored my advice and took his no and i'm gonna tell you why get this i am not jesus i'm not the holy spirit if you choose to relate to me as a rabbi and you give me that authority in your life do i think you'll get blessing out of it yes i do would it make certain parts of our engagement easier yes it would um do I need it in order to be willing to talk to you? No, I don't. Um, but get this though. If you do ignore something I say and it backfires badly, I'm not afraid to tell you I told you so. Because that's what a good strong leader does. They say, let's analyze what went wrong here. What can you do different next time? So, you know, there's that. Um, but maybe I should put in context for you too how I do see my ability to lead anyone. If I'm talking to Gentiles, who do you think is the person even I submit my halacha to first? If I'm talking to Gentiles, which other rabbi do you think I submit my halacha to? Anyone want to answer that one? Paul. Is that's it Paul? A, that's it, Paul. Absolutely. And I will do it all the time. I don't think I found any minister over the course of even just a few weeks of teaching that quotes, interprets, substantiates, submits to Paul's writings as much as I do. And if anyone disagrees, you're welcome to. I just haven't found them. I've never seen someone that goes so out of their way as I do painfully to tie in what Paul thinks on topics as much as I do. I've, I don't think I've seen people quote him as much in talking and then pulling. And I'm not saying I deserve a medal or anything. My point is just, if I'm teaching Gentile people, Paul is absolutely the authority figure I have to submit to. And I have to submit to him mainly because I'm dealing with Gentiles. And why do I have to submit to him when I'm teaching you? Because... That's the order of what our Messiah put in place. Who am I to override that? Why would I override that? The only time I can get creative is if you ask me something that's out of the scope of what Paul has already given ruling on. And there will be times and ways and things like that because Paul didn't think that we'd be talking about him in 2019. So there's obviously that. If I'm dealing with Jewish people or myself personally, my personal authorities are people like Peter and James and whoever wrote Hebrews, who I still believe is Paul, but in the context of what the book of Hebrews is. so And I can comfortably move between those two spaces. I've got no problem with having a mixed fellowship of Jews and Gentiles, which we already do have, and I've got no lack of confidence 
in being able to navigate what Gentiles can do and what Jews can do and how the two should come together and how that can be managed. I've got no problem in dealing with conflict between people in that way either. I absolutely do have the confidence to do that too, if I need to. And that can either be offensive to people or it can be very encouraging because who would want a leader that, that doesn't have a backbone? Um, so, yeah, you know, so you look at all of those things and I think this is the way it's supposed to work with rabbis. So what does the rabbinical system itself operate like? It's very open-ended. Technically speaking, in the rabbinical system, you could have, diff and you do have different rabbis weighing in on topics. And let me tell you, the rabbis passionately even disagree with each other. But you also find that sometimes the rabbis quote each other. And you'll often find the quote being this, Rabbi so-and-so says this based on Rabbi so-and-so mentioning Rabbi so-and-so. I know that sounds crazy, but I promise you that's how it works. So you've got this long line of rabbis that end up interpreting each other even. And then speaking in the name of, speaking in the name of, speaking in the name of. And isn't that exactly kind of what happens on RBS when I'm quoting Paul? I'm telling you, here's what Paul said. You can read it for yourself because you have a copy of it. And then my aim is to say, well, let's try and understand what Paul as a rabbi is saying based on what I know is the rabbinical system of interpretation, which is why I think the WhatsApp group has the credibility it does have and why it is a safe space is because I don't only have to guess what the English translation might be meaning. I understand the rabbinical background of how this gets interpreted, which is why, as I said to you, with that Orthodox rabbi from Sam's question, that's on one of the most biggest Orthodox sites in the world that's really got a big following. It's very encouraging for me to find that an Orthodox rabbi and I can agree on stuff that he can endorse something I've said. It is encouraging because, believe it or not, that man is still family to me, and I still have respect for him in his capacity as well. We don't have to agree on everything, as I already pointed out. We didn't, and I made it quite clear to him. I don't need him to weigh in on whether or not Jesus is the Messiah. I know he's going to flat out say no, and I know why he'll say no. So I didn't even waste my time with that. Um, so, you know, you've got all of this. The rabbinical system to the disciple is a, it's a beautiful system, but you might know that Nande asked in the week, like what is the proper succession of who should have taken over from the apostles and so on. And in a nutshell, I want to kind of close with that point is to say to you that I think I said it on the group too. The rabbinical to discipleship program is a, is like a waiting room experience. It's like, transit lounge experience at the airport when messiah comes we don't need a rabbi or oh, sorry let me put it this way when messiah comes we don't need rabbis he will be the rabbi when messiah comes also we will have perfect knowledge when we have our glorified bodies when we have that resurrected body the system of the rabbi to disciple will become obsolete by virtue of the fact that we'd be made perfect. That's what prophecy tells us. But we're not there yet. And so the system of the rabbi is still valuable and it's a blessing. The rabbi to disciple system is a blessing while we are waiting for the better thing, which reminds me of 
Paul in Hebrews. You know, when you read it in Hebrews, and there was a, and for those who joined late, there's a local pastor here that asked me to send him 10 questions on for Hebrews, for the book of Hebrews that he can have with his fellowship meeting last night and with answers that he can safely share with them. And I said, that's beautiful. And I instantly jumped on it and I gave it to him. And part of what I got into was, was to try and say, please don't understand Paul saying Jesus does a better thing to imply that what Moses and Aaron did was a terrible thing. When you compare, if you, listen, if you had the option in front of you now, spend the next five, 10 years with Darren in RBS or get your glorified body and get the illuminated understanding of that the resurrected body gives you. If any of you chose to stay with me, I would try and get within arm's length of you and slap you at the, up the back of your head. Why would you sit with me when you could have the better thing? That would be ridiculous. Because let me quickly tell you, if the spirit came to me and said, hey, Darren, do you want to spend time with Janet and Sherry and with your father and Gary and everyone who's learning for the next five years and still have great fellowship and experience all the beauty that normal human life is to experience and to have that? Or would you like right now for all of you to instantly have the resurrected body? I'm going to say, let's go with that resurrected body. I was never the main event. I was never perfect. Why would I hold any of you back by having you sit with this, with the less than best thing? Does that make sense if I say that? And I don't mean that I undermine what we're doing here. And I promise you, I take what I teach you and you entrusting your life to me as serious as the lives of one of my three kids that I love and would give my life for. I put it on that level. I do not take lightly what I do. I do not take lightly you allowing me to speak things and and you receive it in your life and take it seriously. So in no way, but watch what I'm saying. I'm using exactly Paul's terminology in his system. And this is why I say, I get what Paul was saying. When he says that Jesus did a better thing. Yes, he did. But that doesn't mean that what Moses and Aaron did was a terrible thing. And that's the same that applies to what we're doing here. I I don't believe that anybody carries any weight like the apostles carried after John died. I don't believe I do. I don't believe Damien does. I don't believe anyone does for a very simple reason. The gospel was established. The rest of us are just, as I said in rabbinical terms, Darren Yonker talking in the opinion of Rabbi Shaul or Paul. In fact, let me tell you, I prescribe to a well, I haven't subscribed yet, but I follow a very big online academic platform that gathers scholarly documents from all around the world on different topics. It's like Google for scholars, okay, from all kinds of universities, literally any kind of university you can imagine, okay? And you know what I've been getting lately? What they do is they give you updates and they tell you when you have been cited in other scholars' work. But they're very clever. In order to know what, where you've been cited, you actually have to pay the subscription for a year. Now, I want to pay the subscription for the year just because I want all the benefits of what that comes with. 
But I've got to be honest with you. I'm intrigued and nervous to know who are these people that are citing me from articles I've written. You understand why that makes me nervous? Because are they citing me in agreement or are they citing me in a critical destroying of what I'm saying? And they can because I'm not God. They can disagree with me. I'm very intrigued because there clearly are people citing my work and what I've written. And it's a big deal. So what's happening in that context? Someone is writing. And oftentimes, why do you cite people? You cite it to bring credibility to what you're saying. And that's fine. That's how we do this. So when someone's quoting someone that's quoting someone, that's all fine. And that's exactly how the rabbinical system works too. So one rabbi quotes another rabbi quotes another rabbi. I've quoted things Damien says. You've heard Damien quote things that even Daniel Lancaster said. That's not a rabbi, but he's on the level of a rabbi, but from a Christian side. And he does, in fact, run a messianic ministry, though, too. So we do that. Rabbis quote each other. I've shared with Damien my donkeys and demons concept. And he says he loves it. So you might be hearing him quoted sometime into the future. We can do that. It's okay because none of us actually own the copyright to the intelligence. Um, if any of us are saying anything that's true, all of us are getting it from the same source we are, which should be the spirit. But my point is, I don't believe any of us beyond the original apostles carry the same weight as them. However, do I believe that the ancient sages before or after the apostles have value? They do. To me, they do. You might notice on the group, I'm very careful about how much of their uh, titles and information I share. And I do that deliberately on, on purpose um, because I'm careful about innocent people getting caught up in forms of Judaism that they can't intellectually process properly. And I don't want to be responsible for anyone stumbling and ending up turning to Orthodox Judaism, if that makes sense. So that's the reason why only with Talmudic or Jewish sage um, uh, sources do you find me being a little bit cryptic. You might have noticed that. It's very much on purpose. Um, those that really want to dig out more can probably go and find the sources, but then I say, God, it's on them. If they screw with us and get hurt, I can't be held responsible. I've tried to do what I can. So, I don't know if that makes sense to everyone. What I'm saying is that I don't believe anyone has the authority that our apostles do. I do still respect other rabbis prior to them and after them, as I'm saying. I respect the sages of Judaism, Maimonides, Nachmanides, all of them. I love them. I don't necessarily agree with everything they say, um, but I do generally respect and will listen to them and read their stuff. I will say this too to you. I... Um, one thing that does make me nervous, depending on what part of rabbinical history you look at, there are certain rabbinical schools that would say that the rabbis are so powerful, they can even change rulings from people like Moses. Um, I don't give, the only person I give that authority to is Jesus himself, and I don't believe he ever actually did that, ironically. So, yeah, so that would be in a nutshell, that story. But to say that, yeah, different people can talk, uh, does it mean that any one of you can't come with incredible insight that even 
affects my outlook on things? Of course you can, because I believe the source is the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you this much. Since we are in the period of Teshuvah, in last week, my wife was an incredible mouthpiece for God in rebuking me. Um, I want to save money and I'm very strict about our work with money and even painfully so I would imagine it's very difficult to get financially secure in South Africa in the economy we live in and it's proving to me sometimes to feel close to impossible as a you know uh, how would you say middle class kind of person trying to get ahead it's proving very difficult and Amanda just let me tell you launched into this monologue of talking to me that I was so gripped I couldn't even speak I was just listening and hanging on every word she said it was unrehearsed it just flowed so naturally but when she was done I felt (laughs) so surely rebuked that I never had to wonder you know if I just got a, a tongue lashing here but I loved it because I needed the rebuke because I was getting a little bit too focused on saving money and I'm going to beat this economy kind of experience. And the craziest part of all is that my wife was able to quote me and say to me, you said it graft that we come into this world with nothing and we leave this world with nothing. And you need to listen to your own words. (laughs) Let me tell you, I sat there and I listened to my wife feed me back my own words but the question is was it ever really my words was it the spirit's words when i've said it or when she was saying it to me um and so yes me mr debater mr lawyer could have been a lawyer was actually shut up by his own wife and i think you should know that um i and i took my i took my beating I took my, <laughs> and I said it to her. And to me, it's, I love that. And I just want you to know that I believe the spirit can talk to me through any of you. Dad, I was telling them last night at, at Shul how um, you were so powerfully used when I had a serious demonic attack leading to depression in Kuwait that one time. And I said to them, my father was the, the power tool in God's hands. I couldn't get myself out of it. I didn't have the strength. And he got me through. I've heard Janet speak, Sherry, you speak, Debbie. I can talk so long about Debbie's influence and the gift that Debbie will prove to be when I met her, when I did the conference in Cape Town. And yeah, me walking to this hall full of people where I just wanted to see a few people. And God is so good to me that he puts a woman in this meeting that has experienced teaching children with Asperger's and with autism. And yeah, Debbie, who doesn't even really know me, comes up and says to me, you're on the spectrum, aren't you? Which felt like a prophetic statement when the stranger comes up and is able to say that to you. And Debbie just stepped in and just served and ministered to me and looked after me and helped me where I would let myself have gotten burnt out with too much interaction with people. And my point is, I can talk for days about how all of you have become and can become a rabbi to me. And that's the beauty of where we're in, isn't it? Because that's what tells me the spirit's actually working here. Um, So, and these are the things that are so 
encouraging for me when, when I need encouragement and all of you are that encouragement to me when, when I need it at different times. And that's why I want to say, do I stand as the confident leader of RBS? Yes. Do I stand as the rabbi of RBS? Yes. Do I am confident in all those capacities? Yes. Am I afraid of, of dealing and leading the ministry even into spaces where we can't see ahead of us? Can I pioneer? Yes. Should you assume that that means I'm this, that I like get this levitation experience every day just to be on this cloud above all of you? No, not at all. In fact, we had a session of Teshuvah, which I think some people might have wondered, did they climb into a Catholic confession booth last night to take my confessions? I was just giving Teshuvah like, like there was no tomorrow, confessing all of my struggles and how God's dealing with me in this season of, of repentance. And I think it encouraged some people because, and I said it to, uh, to Samantha when she left because it was her birthday and she actually came and joined us, which I, I felt like she should just be with her family. But it's also encouraging that being at shul with us is so important to her that she would give up some of her birthday to do it. So anyway, so when Samantha left and I said to her, you know, I'm, now I made you guys all listen to my story. And Samantha said it, it was encouraging that I'm transparent and accessible. And I said, that's exactly it. That's what I want to be. I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys on the cover of these freaking amazing books on how you're going to, you know, figure God out here on earth with these seven principles or whatever. I'm not one of those people. I'm desperately messy, just wanting to figure this life out. Like all of you desperately waiting for, I'm aside to come and fetch us. Um, and I, as I often tell people, um, I actually think I'm your servant, not the other way around. So, and even in a rabbinical sense, that's what I believe and feel. So I wouldn't want anyone to see me in the capacity of a rabbi in this ministry in anything other than just that the rabbi is actually the servant, because that's what I think I am. I don't want a glorified elevated status because that's not who I am. And I'd just be a gross disappointment to you. If you actually have to get to know me, if you think I'm something of that kind of morally perfect, got it all together kind of human being, then you're definitely going to get a big shock if you talk enough to me. So I think, you know, that's a way to pull it to a conclusion. We've had a nice chat about what the rabbinical system is. We've had opinions from people on that um, but maybe just in closing, um, I'm just going to stop the screen share so I can just see who's online. Uh, any, and it doesn't have to be long-winded unless you've got something that you really want to say. Um, but closing thoughts. Um, let's start with Kathy because I've got you on the top of my list here. Any closing statements um, for the session? And guys, when I call your name out, you will have to unmute yourself or I can help you with that now. If there is something you do want to say. Kathy, you, any a closing statement you might want to make? Okay, Kathy might be resting. Uh, Janet, uh, well, Debbie, I don't know, Debbie, if Debbie's, getting it going but Janet I don't know there's nothing that I can add except to say that um, I just absolutely love you because uh, 
I don't know, you just take us to another place, you know, when we realize just who you are and you're as normal as anybody else in some aspects. And then in another, you are undoubtedly our rabbi that we respect. And um, I would just never have missed this morning. Just thank you so much. Okay. It was beautiful. Thank you. That's great. Uh, Debbie, I'm going to give you a try. Do you want, I don't know if Debbie, I know you may be having microphone issues, but if you are attempting to, again, Debbie, you can message me too if you want to do that. Um, doesn't look like Debbie will be able to then say if I look who's next year. Sherry, do you want to, any closing thoughts? Just thank you, Darren. Um, I think I giggle sometimes, but I, I really appreciate your authenticity, you know, just you being you and doing it the way that you do it. Um, you know, for me, um, just being able to relate, as Samantha would have said, um, and to also be human like you, but to be able to, you know, get instruction or guidance in terms of this thing that we're trying to figure out um, is very helpful and a blessing to us. So thank you for, I guess, um, you know, just hearing at the beginning that you weren't feeling too well, just for your time and the effort that you spend. I sometimes think of the responses that you give us and, the, you know, going to get that script, scriptural reference and um, putting the, the response together. Um, uh, I particularly like it when you go, just see what I'm going to do now, you know? So um, I always look forward to those responses. So um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for also just submitting, as you said, the rabbi being the servant. We, we I definitely get that. I definitely get that you are serving. Um, and, and I would agree with Kathy to say that you are anointed to do that. And so um, I'm grateful. So thank you very much for that. Well, thank you. It's very encouraging. Uh, Debbie is Debbie's having trouble with her iPad sound, but she has messaged me, so she has been with us. And uh, yeah, so but she's obviously the iPad sound problem is is something for her. The last person then, uh, Dad. Do you want to say anything? I know. We're for the New Zealand. Yes, Darren, yeah. Sorry, man. I was just navigating between two screens there. Yeah, I just want to thank everybody online um, for always be like-minded and supporting the ministry and not just in a blind way. I think there's some very um, responsible people who do honor to God without mentioning names individually. You all know who you are. And it's just great. And I think it, Janet said it before, I think as well, it's just nice being in a fellowship of believers who who give honor to the word and, uh, you know, who believe in the context of scripture and that. And every person on today, again, has just reinforced um, the need for a fellowship like this. And I just wish that more people you know, could be exposed to the truth and what I believe is a God-ordained ministry. And thank you for submitting to God in your capacity as a servant of 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 the Scripture and of Torah. 